Greetings in Jesus' name, the one who is the tender, loving, all-present shepherd. Can't beat that, can we? What a tremendous blessing to meet together collectively. We're so glad that this isn't really a religious persecution, not, not at all. We thank God to a and we enjoyed, in quotes, listening to messages over the phone. That beat not hearing any messages at all. It was Ted Strange to preach. I always at least had one person around me. But I noticed they didn't say amen very much. Kind of missed that. But we, the Lord just leads on. So I'm glad we can meet collectively together this morning. And I want to say that y'all look lovely. I want to tell you that you all look lovely for a bunch of reasons. Number one is it's just good to be with brotherhood again, and that makes things lovely. Also, seeing facial coverings on you lets me, lets, uh, me know and God know that you're submissive. And I doubt if any of you just wanted to wear it this morning, just delighted because I don't want to wear it. And I had to think, oh, what's that make any difference? You know, when we obey God-ordained authority, we're pleasing God, and that's why we do it. Uh, uh, the main reason why most of us do it, some of us do have health issues, it would be, would be wise to do it also. So it's just a joy to be with y'all here this morning and to realize that God is here with us and wants to speak to uh, our hearts and encourage us in the Lord. Seven, about approximately 700 years before um, Jesus come to earth, Isaiah wrote some words that I think is worthy of our investigation. Isaiah 32, 15 to 17. Do you want to say I enjoyed the service thus far this morning? It's always good to look into the word and you be blessed and re, uh, looking at that. The children's meeting, that was good too, Wesley. Enjoyed that. And it's a real blessing to come and be just collectively encouraged. Isaiah 32, verse 15 to 17, where the scripture says, Then <clears throat> until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest, then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field, and the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. There's a lot said in here, but I praise the Lord when Jesus went left this earth to go back to his eternal abode. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell on this earth in the hearts of his believers. And that's a tremendous blessing. So it, it talks about there, and it says, when he poured out his spirit from on high, and I really believe that happened at Pentecost. It happened in our lives where we gave our heart to him. And he said that it was a dramatic change. And, that's, and he talks about that. He said the wilderness and our lives without Jesus is a wilderness. Have you noticed that? You remember that? We see people living like that way. But that's the way we all were without Jesus. Our life was a wilderness. It was dry. It was void of spiritual life and content. A life that really counts, a life that's meaningful, was a wilderness. And then he says, look, uh, we turn this wilderness into a fruitful field. 
And, you know, sometimes I have to think, how does God see my life? Is my life one that has changed from a wilderness to a fruitful, flourishing field for him? That's what he wants. That's what he says he expects. You know, when the spirit, when we give our heart to him and his spirit dwells in us, we we become from a dry, parched, unproductive life to a life that is productive, fruitful, attractive for Jesus. Fruitful field. Then it goes on to say, when that person is living for him, to have that fruitful field, it, they, they do the work of righteousness. Work of righteousness. And when that works in our life, when that person, when we as Christians are serving him and surrendering to him and are wanting to do his biddings from our heart, that is righteousness, okay? It's not self-obtained things. That is right. It's Jesus working within, purging us of our sin and our carnality and, and, and giving us that desire to do what is right. There's a fruit to that. There's an end to that. Shall be peace. And I'll tell you, friends, if any time people need peace, they need it today. We've always needed peace. Mankind always needs peace. And the fact of that end is righteousness quietness and assurance for today thank god <laughs> it works today but it works forever it works forever and I, I like that because god jesus wants us you and us to have assurance in him and a lot of people struggle with assurance and i think i'll just say right front i think it's a trick of the devil I think it's a trick of the devil because when we have a short, um, we can rest in that. And there's a lot of calmness and security of having a short of eternal life. There's a lot of that. And it brings rest. It brings quietness. It brings peace in our lives. And I tell you, when we don't have it, those all those are disturbed and it works dramatically different. So assurance comes when a person is born again and they give their life to Jesus. First uh, Thessalonians 1 verse 5 says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. I like that. I hope you do too. I hope you uh, uh, can understand all this. Uh, he said, look, you know, we needed to hear the word and we need to understand it and respond to it. And that's how we knew we needed Jesus because we heard the gospel story. But then we responded. We had power. We had power in our lives because Holy Spirit resides there because we'd surrendered all to him. And so we didn't have the down drag of living in sin, of living to our carnal flesh. No, we live into our Jesus glory. Like we heard, we're here for his glory. That's the number one calling for everybody to live for Jesus' glory. We have the power to live that way and in much assurance. This isn't the kind of assurance that, well, I've heard somebody say, I hope I make it. Well, we, I truly do hope I make it to heaven. I think everybody in the right mind would say that. But this isn't that kind of phraseology, okay? This is knowing that you'll make it if I'm faithful to Jesus to the end, okay? And so I bet we can have that. It relates to sonship. Uh, 
being following Jesus and obeying him. Now, uh, so we need to remember that Hebrews 3, Hebrews 3, verse 6 speaks to this issue, too. Hebrews 3, verse 6 says, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. Now, that's a be- it's a beautiful thought. Okay, Christ, he's a son over his own house, and we are his house. We are, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so we are his residency. He's residing in us. We are his house, and we become that when we give our whole life to Jesus and are willing to follow him faithfully. That's when that happens. And then it says, if we hold fast. Now, why did God say that? Because there was always that possibility that we wouldn't remain faithful. That's why. And that's why, if we hold fast, we believe in conditional eternal security. I believe in eternal security for sure. And I think every Christian should, but it's conditional. And right here is one of the times it's spoken of. If we hold fast, it would be great. I mean, it would be a nice thought. I'm not sure it'd be good living, but some people say, well, you know, you give your heart to the Lord and you're automatically a sheep. Well, if you was a goat before you become a sheep, guess what? You can revert back to what you was. That's what. I am glad, though, that through his grace in our lives and hearts, we can remain his house. We can remain his child and be blessed in that living. Then we have rejoicing because wouldn't it be a sad day if we give our heart to the Lord and we reverted back to the ways of sin? Wouldn't that be a sad day? Some people choose to do that. And that's very unwise. And that's why he said, look, if we, we got to hold fast, we, you know, in our own power, we cannot have assurance of salvation in our own power. You can go to church every Sunday. You can read your Bible every morning and you can pray. And I know good Christians do this. OK, I'm promoting this. OK, but you can do all these forms of righteousness and still not remain faithful. And so we got to be careful. In other words, this is talking about a personal relationship with the Lord where he has transformed us into his his likeness. And we want to do his will and we're wanting to obey him. It's a heart issue that is worked out in your life. And then you do want to pray. You do want to worship. That's why everybody wants to come to church and get a chance. They don't care if they have to wear a face mask. They don't care if they have to wear whatever. You know, if it don't violate biblical principles, we do it. Because God is pleased with obedience to his authority. And it brings rejoicing. It brings a hope. It says there, a hope, a firm hope there. And, uh, and, and what a blessing we can be those people that have this hope in him. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's just wonderful that we can live this way. And I tell you, uh, when we're born again, and you know if that's happened to you. You know, and I know it happens different for certain people. And I know some people that celebrate birthdays. And uh, some people don't have celebrate. And I'll be honest, as you get older, it's not that great a thrill to celebrate a birthday. It just means you just passed, well, you're just getting a little older. And uh, 
and it's just the way it is. <laughs> you get to enjoy the infirmities of getting older, okay? And uh, but I don't know children really like to celebrate birthdays. It's always nice to be remembered. But I had to think, what if we as Christians celebrated the most important birthday? You know, when I was born again, when you were born again, it was the most important day of your life. Now, and then the old devil comes in. You're not a Christian. You're not born again. Look, look, look what you did. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You can say, I think it's good. And I tell people when I talk to them about their Christian walk and I, talk, and I enjoy giving instruction class some, I say, look, you, you mark that down. You remember that. When the devil comes to you and says you aren't born again, you can say, March of whatever, whatever it is, I was born again. And you know what? I've discovered. Nobody comes up to me and says, Claire, you're not married. You know why? I know on a certain day, a certain year, that I married my beloved girlfriend. She's my bride, okay? And you can say all you want to that Claire, you're not married. And you know what? I know and you know it's not the truth. Same way if you are a Christian here today. And the devil comes in, oh, you know, you're not born again. You know, do you have a short salvation? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you should. If you're following him, okay? But I tell you, that's why it's sort of tricky. Because the devil tries to tempt us and make us feel bad. Because a, a person that's struggling with short salvation is going to struggle in their Christian walk. And it's a work of the devil. But also, there is a flip side that we got to bring in. There is sometimes some things that happen in our life, I want to say this very carefully, that deserve some attention, okay? Uh, we are, we as human beings still struggle with the carnal flesh being awake and, and, and receptive, to carnality. Have you noticed that? If you hadn't, we better wake up and realize that's a fact. And so that means that the Holy Spirit speaks. And I've seen people, and we may have even experienced ourselves, when the Holy Spirit speaks, we say, no, it wasn't that important. All other people were doing it. You know the excuses the devil gives us. And so we don't respond like we should, meaning we don't repent. For instance, sometimes you might feel like God isn't too close. And he might not be. He might not be. But I praise God, if we find ourselves in that condition or position, we don't need to stay there. God don't want us to stay there. He wants us to have that peace and assurance in our lives. You know how it comes? If, you know... If you know that you have given your all and you're surrendering, you're following your faith, when you know that you're honest and genuine about this, then you can know it's just a voice of the devil. You can know that. I'll say it the other way. But now if you know and you let God speak to your hearts, he is loving and he will. He'll talk to us. So if we hold fast. In other words, we need to be those that give our all and keep giving our all. Meaning, when he speaks and says some more to us, we're willing to keep surrendering, keep surrendering. So knowing this, knowing how to follow him and being led by his spirit and following his will is really important for us to maintain eternal security. Uh, but it is conditional. 
Second Peter one. I'd like to read a few verses from Second Peter one. Second Peter one verses three to eleven, where it says, Second Peter one verse three, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby we are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance or self-control, and to self-control patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to the brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they may make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Therefore, the rather brethren give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So here we see uh, this is wonderful passage to to bring a sure foundation to your spiritual walk. Here it says he's given us everything that pertains to life and God. You have it in your hands. You have it in your heart. Okay, between your hands and your heart, you have it. Uh, because we have the word, we have Jesus within us. And he even said here, he said, look, you know, when you come to me, he said, there it was his verse four. He said, you know, you come there with that fleshly nature, that nature to do what you want to do, a selfish nature, carnal nature, whatever. Uh, uh, a number of these words would describe us. And then he said, look, you know what I've done? I'll give you a divine nature. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I've seen... And I've experienced a large degree people that were, uh, they just didn't care about doing what was right. And, you know, they would say and doing their desires wasn't godly. And you know when they born again? It totally changed. Now, maybe it didn't just change to a mature Christian, because I think most of you were born children. And you're born again children, too, by the way. And uh, But praise God. You at least are children of God when you're born again. What a tremendous blessing. And he said, I'm going to give that nature desires to do what is right. Then he said, besides even getting that Holy Spirit, wow, how do you like this list? Okay, he said, didn't say, no, this is a half-hearted thing. It just plops on you. And you have nothing to do. Give all diligence. He said, okay, this is focus. I'm talking about focus now. Okay, this is a good one. You got to have faith in Jesus. You were born again with faith in Jesus. If you didn't have faith in Jesus, you're never born again. So you, that, that is the starting point. You have faith in virtue. You know, are, are we virtuous? Virtue is doing right and wanting to do what's right. And virtue, you acknowledge by reading the word. And then by reading the word, you get some self-control. Holy Spirit self-control, I like to call it. 
And, and you know, it, it's very important. It has to do a lot with cross bearing and temp and then patience. And then I guess it's things that take all diligence. <laughs> That's for me. Yeah. And then once you have all those, you, you get to have, uh, if you have patience, you get to add godliness. I thought if you had all the above, you'd be godly. Well, at least you get to add to it. This is quite the adding process that God wants to work. And the godliness, if you had all these, you would be naturally easy to love. I find that interesting. But then you know you're going to have to add brotherly kindness because you know what? It don't come natural. There's always a few eyeballs or a few strange people, maybe whatever you want to say it. They just don't hit you the right way. And so you do all diligence to have brotherly kindness. And if you have all that, guess what? You get to add charity to the whole mix. That's beautiful. And if, and if you have all these things, and you abound in them, and that's going to take a double effort, your fruitful tree, your tree will be fruitful in righteousness. It has right to do with Isaiah. Fruitful tree. This is a fruitful tree. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And you you will be you'll be fruitful. You will never be barren. Well, that's eternal security. If you do these things, what a tremendous blessing. But he said, you know what? The devil's gonna tempt you not to do these things. Because it's always warfare to do what's right. Have you noticed that? Wouldn't it be easy just to naturally wake up and be just what you should be? Well, you're always tempted to do, uh, otherwise. And so he says, but you know what? When that happens, you're blind. You, you, you're, you're not seeing why you're not looking to have that eternal look while you're here. You're losing that because you've forgotten that you were forgiven of your sins. You've forgotten Calvary and the love and the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus gave to you. And so he says, look, if you forgot all diligence in the first place. Think about it again. Okay. Brethren, give diligence to make what I've asked you to do through my grace to get it to happen, okay? He says, I've given you all this power. I've given you the Holy Spirit to do this. You know the directions. And I didn't tell you the directions to say just do it. I've given you the power within to do it. So get it done, is what he's saying. And it's beautiful. It makes, we what makes us be what Jesus wants us to be. It makes us lovable. It makes the gospel attractive in flesh when you live that way. You can't beat that. Representations of Jesus. Yes. That's how we make our calling election sure. And we do these. You know what? You're on the path. You have eternal security. You have assurance of salvation. But your worst condition when doing these things. Yes. What a tremendous blessing. You know, he talked about precious promises. In verse 4, and the Bible is full of promises, but in this very context, he gives us a promise. If you follow me faithfully, you will never fall. Isn't it beautiful? If you follow me faithfully, if you do what you know to do, you will never fall. And that's first part of uh, verse 10. That's beautiful. You know, some people think, oh, yeah, I'm afraid I'm making mistakes. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, that's that is a relevant thought that we need to be aware of. 
But to live in that paranoid spirit can be very limiting spiritually. Because, see, when, we're, when we are just letting his love and grace and spirit work in our lives and transforming us to something we wasn't before we met Jesus, you know what? He says, you obey me and follow me. You will never fall. I love that. Falling is no fun. Falling is no fun physically or spiritually. But thing is, physically, it's just damaging to our uh, to our body. Spiritually, it's damaging to our souls, and that's what makes a lot of a lot of the difference. Well, I wanted to read and and must, even though I skipped over it when I wanted to read it. You know the classic passage for terms uh, uh, for assurance of salvation, don't you? What's the reference? 1 John 5, 13, okay? And you know why? Because it's just, it's, it's there. That's why. 1 John 5, 13 is, is the classic reference. We need to remember in 1 John, if you're struggling with the source of salvation, read 1 John. 1 John says approximately 40 times, know or knoweth. You know why? Because you can know it. That's why. It's so beautiful. 1 John uh, 5, um, I'm going to read 11 to 13. I'm going to read the New King James. And this is the testimony that God has given to us eternal life, and his son is, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life, and who does not have the son does not have life. These things I have written unto you who believe in the name of of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may con- and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And that's so beautiful. And that's what I relate to. You can know you're born again when you're giving your life to Him and you're following Him faithfully. You can know it. Now, First, Second Peter puts in shoe leather what obeying and following Jesus means. Okay, that's all it's doing. They parallel. This is the basic. You got to know that you're his child, friend. And if you're not, if you're here this morning or can hear my voice, whether it's over the phone or face to face, that is critical that we know we've given our life to Jesus. That's paramount. In fact, life is wasted. We are wasting our time. Our pilgrimage here is wasted if we don't give our life to Jesus. But I praise God. He said, look. I have a good plan for everyone. Everyone will face it. He, will, he wills that all would be saved and follow him. And that includes everyone. He wants them to follow him. He wants them to be his children. He wants them to have that rest and peace and assurance. It only comes with following him, being his children and following him faithfully. But it does seem like that we have an enemy that comes in and tempts us to be complacent or to give in or even give up. I've heard people just giving up. And we become then sometimes uh, we're distracted in our spiritual journey or we trust in ourselves and we're on shaky ground. And uh, and we don't want to be that way. Now, I want to read a couple verses from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3. I'll read verse 17 first. 
Did I say First Peter? I'm sorry. It's Second Peter three. Isn't it right? Second Peter three, verse seventeen, where it says, "You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest beware lest you also fall from your steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked." So it says very plainly. You have a condition in Jesus Christ, but you got to beware. You got to be alert. You can fall from that steadfastness. And we want to be steadfast. We want to be his children as he is. But you know what? That doesn't mean that we can't be tricked. That doesn't mean on our weaker moments that we don't give in. Because the fact is that can happen. So he said, hey, plainly, there's no, there's no, uh, unconditional security here. There's not, there's not here. You know, you just one and done, you know, we believe the Lord and I'm good for years to go. Cause it says here very plainly that we can fall from our own steadfastness. I think it says what it means, but the remedy is in verse 14 and 18, where it says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace in peace without spot and blameless. That's beautiful. That's hard for man, a car, uh, a fleshly person to realize that we can live with such a life that doesn't have spots of sin. If they do, if they do, there's the blood of Jesus over them. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a dominant way. It's not unforgiven sin. We can live with, uh, without spot and plainness. It's beautiful to realize that you and we as his children can have a life that is blameless. That's amazing. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. So beautiful. Verse 18 but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. It says, okay, you stay steadfast. You won't be faithful. You're given all. You're following him. You love him from your heart. You're willing to live in self-denial. You're willing to, you, you love righteousness and holiness. He said, in all that, you're going to have to keep growing. You're going to have to keep growing. Aren't you glad you're one of you parents that when your children learn to walk, when there's one or two, they didn't work stopped? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when you, as a youth, if you got past youthhood, that you didn't stay a youth? <laughs> I love youthhood. Got all that energy. But my, when I think of my youthhood, it's not all roses. I can tell you that. Yeah, a lot of growing goes after youth, and there's a lot of growing for us till the day we die. There's a lot of growing. In fact, I found out if we have that kind of appetite, you have a lot to look forward to tomorrow. You have a lot to look forward to tomorrow because you don't know what will happen, but you do know what will happen will be in his plan and you're going to follow his plan. You know that. And I tell you, friends, that's rest and peace and joy there. But, you know, so it's what a blessing we can have. But, you know, we struggle, but we can rest in that we don't need to live not knowing because uh, Philippians 3, verses 13 to 16 says, some words that are very assuring and reassuring in this, along this line. Brethren, 
I count not myself to have apprehended, to have obtained. I do not. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, thank God. <laughs> we can forget the old past life. We can forget the sins of yesteryear. Now, we need to realize that might be my tendency. We can forget because we need the blood of Jesus. Many a person has been drugged down because, in quotes, didn't forgive themselves. Now, I don't like that term because we don't need to forgive ourselves. We just need to move on with Jesus. Amen? We, let, we ask God forgiveness from God, and Je we get forgiveness through the blood of Jesus, and we just leave it there by his grace. Many a person has lost their assurance and lost their Christian walk because they lived in the sins of their past. They wouldn't get over them. And I'll tell you, friends, that's a trick of the devil. Never let it happen. By his grace, it don't need to happen to anybody. But anyhow, I'll go on. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are about. And by the way, Paul had a lot of things to forget, didn't he? He probably had as much as we do. He wasn't a man that lived righteously. Because who was more of a persecutor against righteousness than Paul? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before ahead. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let therefore as many as be perfect, and don't let that word scare you, it means mature, okay? And I, think, and I think to a certain degree, even youth can be fairly mature if they have a passion for Jesus, okay? So don't leave anybody out, okay? If you're a Christian here and you're surrendered to him and you love him and you have a passion to follow him and you're wanting to do his bidding, you've got a reasonable level of maturity, okay? God's pleased with that. But he goes on, as many as be mature, be thus-minded. And I already described it. And if anything be otherwise-minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already obtained, let us walk the same rule, let us mind the same thing. And he's just saying in very plain English, you know, for you to be what we need to be, we need to let by the blood of Jesus, let the things in the past be in the past. Let they be forgiven. We can move on with Jesus in our lives. And you know what? You don't need to live in fear that, oh, did I make a mistake yesterday? He said, my Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. I'll reveal it to you. Have you noticed that? You know, I have, uh, you know it's a good day when you said or did something you shouldn't, and instantly, wham, you knew you did something wrong. That is a good day. That's the Holy Spirit revealing it unto you. You know, we don't want to live in sin. And we don't want to live that way. And then we can respond. We can ask God for forgiveness. He shall reveal it. What a tremendous blessing. Well, the goodness of God to his people and his sheep. I'll go right to the classic that the eternal securities used. John 10, verse 27, 29. They use this passage, and the answer is right there in the passage. Now, it says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. That's beautiful. He knows you. And they follow me. That's where it's at. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My, my Father, which gave me them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. And I'm very glad when you are following the Lord that no man can just go and pluck you or me out of his hand. They can't do that. But he did say, my sheep, 
They know my voice and they follow me. That's the very condition. The church of course use this passage, verse 28 and 29, but they forget the condition in verse 27. That following him is up to us, but he gives us a grace to do that. He gives us the will to do that. And he, even if we don't and we slip up, he gives us checks and balances, may I say, in our life. That we just don't go down the road not knowing what we've done. His spirit speaks to us and we obey, we follow it. And when we do that, you know what? No one can pluck us out of his hand. That's beautiful. That's real protection from him. So if we're healthy and if we're wise, we obey his, uh, his biddings. That's another condition for eternal security. And so we want to have a spirit, a submissive spirit, and then we'll not perish. We're safe in the arms of Jesus. Safe in the arms of Jesus. That's such a beloved thought. What a tremendous blessing we have to be that way. Obedience is a key to our assurance. And, uh, and so God sees and cares about us living victoriously in him. I'd like to read a few verse, verses now from Hebrews 6, verses 9 to 11. Hebrews 6, verses 9 to 11, where it says, But, beloved, we have confidence of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this matter. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. And he said, he's saying it very beautifully here. I give you salvation. And concerning you, you have, you, when you give your heart to him, you've accomplished salvation, a new birth. And, and Jesus isn't the kind of just to walk off and forget that you're, you're trying to do what's right. And I've been so blessed, through, even through this time of limiting social exposure, that so many people have called and emailed and, and, and showed administered love and grace he said you know they minister they serve the saints and that's what saints do they love each other they administer uh the the love of jesus through their hearts to others they want to do that and he says and then you, you do that, that diligence to do that you have full assurance and hope to the end now hope in the new testament it means expectation or confidence you can have confidence that Jesus is going to lead you. Jesus is going to follow you. Jesus is going to lead you in his past. He's going to uphold you. And he's going to speak to you when you need to be redirected. You can have that confidence in him. We have an anchor of the soul in Jesus Christ. And we can be stable and firm in that. We can rest in that. Dear people, it's such a tremendous blessing. Uh, we have an anchor in Jesus. And it's sure and steadfast. What a tremendous blessing. So for the saint to have continuing assurance that we need to be, to have eternal life. We need to be born again, past, present, and future. Okay? And if it isn't past, it can be present. And then it will be future that we can, eternal life in, in, in heaven. 
So many times the end of our salvation is termed future hope. And that's a biblical term, but I am glad that we don't have to live life hoping we'll make it. I'm still so glad of that. It says in Titus 2, verses 13 and 14 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar People, zealous of the works. What a beautiful manifestation of the presence of Jesus. He says, look, I come to redeem people, and I come to redeem them from the sinful way, iniquity. These people are wanting to be a special people, peculiar people, special people. They're going to be doing good works. Let me tell you. If you do the works in Second Peter, there you're doing a lot of good works. That'll be your love, and that'll be your pleasure. He says, yes, and he says, zealous of good works. He said, you know what? These people have a blessed hope. You know what? It makes the afflictions of the Christian seem extremely dim when they think about the glorious hope in Jesus. That's assurance, conditional assurance of salvation. A, t- a, uh, a conditional, a conditional blessed hope. Wow, what a blessing! Yes, when a person lives this type of life, they come to the end of the journey, and they sit and say, "I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith." And there's nothing more important. There's nothing more important. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Beautiful words, friends. Jesus didn't want just Paul to say that. He wants every Christian to be able to say that. In the journey, there's nothing more important. No wonder it says in Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I praise God that he's given us the gift of eternal life and assurance in him. God bless you in living that life of joy in him.